You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, all Welcome back to Thesis on Joan. We're here for season two. Hey, queers. Welcome back. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join us as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folks from Brooklyn cabaret performers to people backstage and on Broadway. For many queers, theater has been an escape. This podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're heading as a community while queering the canon along the way. We are so excited to share even more interviews and discussions about queer theater with you this season. Yeah, we have some great stuff planned, but first, how you doing, Megan? It's been a minute since our the end of our season one. It has. I feel like so much has changed since uh, December. Yeah. <laughs> For in in many many different ways. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you this yet. I I got vaccinated this week. So oh, amazing! Yeah, we're, we're both one dose in. So that's very exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got mine like a week ago, and yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It's hopeful. Yeah, um, it was like the BMI system is oppressive, but thanks for this yeah. one win. <laughs> right, use it to your. It's been oppressed us our whole lives, or at least for me. And yep. Uh, yeah, that's one time that we can use it to our advantage. If you don't think you qualify, check your BMI because it's a real racist, fucked up way of measuring people's quote unquote health. Uh, you can be any size really and have a, a maybe unhealthy, obese uh, BMI. So check it out. Yeah, I think most people <laughs> that I know do. So yes. you are you are eligible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was kind of like vaccine Disneyland in there. It was just felt like a little bit of a step closer to something better. Yeah, I really hope so. I don't know. How about you? Uh, my big news is that as of January, uh, my partner and I adopted a dog and his name is business and we call him busy for short. And he has just like completely changed our lives and makes every day so much happier. (laughs) He is such a joy. I mean, just from being like an onlooker to the business time, he's (laughs) and he loves my dog, Indy. They're like the bestest of friends. Yeah, they love playing together. They both have a lot of energy. 
so much uh-huh. energy. I remember when you were first telling me that you were getting busy and um, you described an area of the apartment as the business center. And I was like, cool, <laughs> cool. Holly's got like a nice computer set up going on. Like they've got this great workstation. <laughs> and it took me like a half a day to realize what you meant. And the, the puns <laughs> abound with busy. Yep. There are so many opportunities. I re- My coworker re- told me that when I posted um, uh, the picture of business the first time he experienced snow because he's from Texas, the caption should have been, there's no business like snow business. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Missed opportunity. Well, yeah. it's we're, we're due for another nor'easter, right? We're getting 60 yeah. degrees this week. It'll snow next week. Second like. winter. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, he does have an Instagram. If you like dogs, uh, it's business, the dog NYC. And he's like a little kind of schnauzer looking terrier dog. He's a mix between, um, a long haired chihuahua and some kind of terrier. They don't know, but he is very cute. If I have to say so. Yeah. Business is the best thing to happen this, this year, I think so. And then Indy was the best thing last year. So that's true. It's always dog related. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I'll put Indy's Instagram up too because awesome. oh, everyone. Yeah, Indy's just freaking gorgeous. I know she's like a little manic supermodel, but <laughs> she's she's uh she lives a good life, that's for sure, with us mm-hmm. home all the time. So, oh yeah, same. So something new we want to do this season is uh talk talk about shows that we've seen, some like queer centered shows at the top of the episode. These are not reviews, but these are mostly just us as queer folks responding to shows about queer folks um, and where or by queer folks. And we're super excited about that. Please send recommendations our way. If you have a friend or know of a performer who you love that's doing something digitally, we'd love to check it out. So keep us keep us in the know. Help keep us current, kids. <laughs> so the first show we're going to talk to you about today, we're super excited about. It's called Hi, Are You Single? by Ryan Haddad directed by Laura Savia and Jess McLeod. This was presented by Wooly Mammoth Theater Company in association with I Am A Theater Company, and it was streaming throughout the month of February. Um, and this one was just like, it was such a delight to, I know I'm stealing your line, Holly, but it was, such, it was so great to see something that was happening inside of a theater. Um, and they actually had a small audience mm-hmm. there from woolly mammoth of people who have been tested and worked on the show um so to just actually you know not have that awkward zoom pause and hear genuine reactions <laughs> to what ryan was was doing um but this show is about uh ryan's life as uh, a gay man in the dating world living with cerebral palsy and it's a little bit about like his escapades and dating and um, some really interesting reflections on um, kind of what that means to him. Yeah, it was great that both of the shows we're going to talk about today happened actually inside theaters. Um, for me, it was just such a nice escape from the Zoom backgrounds I look at every day. And like my suspension of disbelief just like shot up 200%. <laughs> This show gave me so many like baby queer feelings. Um, all the, you know, Ryan going to talking about going to gay bars and trying to like hit on people or get hit on and his just like super, um, innocent attempts to, <laughs> to talk to anyone. Um, yeah. I can't stop made... thinking about the parading 
when yeah. he talks about like <laughs> when you when you do a pass through the bar and you're just like well it starts less direct and then he starts <laughs> saying the name of the show hello are you single but like how many times have you been in a bar like baby gay and just just doing a lap just to see like what's new it's kind of like what yeah. i do at trader joe's like what's new on the shelf you know <laughs> It's so true, though, that, like, you go to a gay bar with your friends or a friend, and then you get, like, stuck in a place, and then everyone thinks you're inaccessible. So, like, how do you make yourself available? (laughs) Right. And I was, like, so inspired by, like, him with his own, like, mobility things that he's working with, and he's still doing the parade. You know, he's like, just because I have my walker over here, like, I'm not standing in the corner, like, everyone wanted him to kind of like stay put and it was it was it was cool to hear that part of his story um and another like we were both so excited to find out he was from ohio because he starts naming like cleveland gay bars and we're like yes (laughs) not just new york city gay bars but yeah something that he talked about that i was really struck by and i i feel like um i've seen it in some other pieces by queer creators um is that you go to gay bars as like a baby queer with the sense that this is going to be your safe space. And when that falls through is like, Oh, this, this, this space is safe, but not for someone like me. And it's like, where do you go from there? And that was Mm -hmm. like a really poignant moment that I'm sure many folks have felt on different levels. Um, And the way he articulated it was like so funny, but also so endearing and sincere at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so vulnerable, like <clears throat> the second half of the show, like the first half of the show, he he details a lot of micro or macro aggressions that he experienced um, as a, a disabled person in, a, in gay bars or in gay dating um, or in dating, <laughs> in gay dating. Um, <laughs> special type of dating. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then like the sec- second half of the show, he really goes into like how he's had transgressions against people and how he's been prejudiced or, you know, ignorant and hurt other people. Um, and it was just really, uh, refreshing to see that, uh, honesty and vulnerability and, um, able to like, to actually confront that and hopefully, you know, move to change those behaviors and acknowledge that, you know, even though we may be oppressed in some ways or, uh, you know, experience, um, yeah, oppressed in some ways we might, we definitely are affecting and harming other people who might not have the same experiences and privileges that we do. Yeah. I thought that was very, um, like it was like very brave of him, but also like very necessary for the show to, be Mm -hmm. as impactful as it was like it would have been like a fun romp through like someone's dating life if (laughs) if he hadn't brought it around to really be introspective about it too and um Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was just a really incredible performance and um I hope he continues to like take it on a grand tour once he's able Mm -hmm. to uh do it in person in front of a live audience yeah I think like his interactions with audience members I think are some of the most poignant moments too when um he brings someone from the audience up on stage and dances with them um and in this particular uh recording it's someone from the creative team so they know each other but like him talking about this moment of intimacy um and getting to like ask that person questions uh especially i think in covid where like seeing two people so close to one another even though they were masked 
um, was really special and uh, really heightened that experience of just two people getting to know each other. So, and then the other show we we both got to see uh, was the Black Queen Screen Test, written and directed by Jerome A. Parker, and was a Patterson Projects workshop production sponsored uh, by an artistic residency with the Tank NYC, uh, and they broadcast um, a streaming version of this for about a month. Uh, so the Black Queen Screens Test is an all-Black virtual workshop production of the Black Queens or House of Dinah, built to elevate and theatrically explore the live. Um, so this show is an absurd musical, which taps into the art of drag, mixes lip syncing and live moments of dance and music to tell an intergenerational Black queer story of self-reliance, resilience, and survival. Um, so this was a show, it was broken up into three different acts. I thought it was interesting they sold tickets to each act individually, so you could just view one act or just, or you could see the whole thing. Um, and it, it followed, um, this, uh, cafe, this diner, um, where a young femme person comes in, um, needing kind of help and shelter from, it looks like she's just been physically assaulted. Um, and the folks there kind of take her in, but also take advantage of her and, right. <laughs> um, kind of enslave her for service, uh, which I, I was a little confused by the ending, but, um, it, it was such a beautiful, I thought, celebration of dance and like the legacy of the civil rights, uh, movement and how it, uh, relates to like current movements. Um, and it, you know, the costumes were so amazing and beautiful and like celebratory of, I thought like some queer drag and culture, um, yeah, and it was just amazing to see again another show in a theater. And you know, this was, I think, a much lower budget production than other the other piece we saw, but it was really beautiful. And they had like really amazing imagery involved. There were like nooses that they were using as a bell rope. Um, yeah, they did a lot with what they had. It took some time for that to acknowledge the noose was a bell. I was like, why is yeah. there just a noose in the back of the scene? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, someone please explain this to me. Um, yeah. I almost feel like the, the way that they did some in person, well, I guess it was all in person, but the way they had like the, the shots on an individual and then the dance scenes in the wider theater kind of gave it this like magical dream quality that I thought was like really mm. enticing because um, mm -hmm. you weren't really sure like what was happening in the reality of the play and what was more like in the characters heads or in their memories, um, which I thought was uh, really beautiful, especially Holly, after you read the description with that line, like intergenerational, um, I, I feel like I would go back and watch it in a different way if I was reflecting on that more and how it was staged um, mm. to think about like how, mm. how it's being perceived through the eyes of the different characters. But yeah, I was very, uh, intrigued by like the use of Dinah Washington's music. Cause she's one of those many performers from that time that once I heard a couple songs, I was like, Oh, I've heard that before, but I had no idea who this performer mm. was. I also have no idea how she's connected to queer culture and being a queer icon. So that was something that I definitely like to explore more but i'm glad that the show wasn't like an explanation of that right it was more like a celebration mm -hmm. and a lived experience of it 
Yeah, it was such a, a nice mix of like lip syncing and original songs too. And then, um, yeah, the dance pieces, it was like such a great mix of things to see. Going back to like the imagery, like Wilhelmina, who was like the serving person uh, when the show starts, she always had like an orange box around her face. Did you notice this? Yes. I, I was, was this on purpose? I was I confused. I think so. Like she was okay. the only one who had that throughout the whole show. And I was like, oh, is that, is that like, um, we're supposed to like focus on her or is it like, she, like a framing? She's in a box. I don't know. I was trying to figure out like what the symbolism of it was, but it definitely like kept me interested. <laughs> I thought the choreo, I know we talked about a little bit, the choreography was incredible. The Mm -hmm. way that like kind of inclusion of like classic, but also using like very ball culture reference, like Mm -hmm. dance moves was just like such a, yeah, yeah, such a cool collaboration. Yeah. And I, and I feel like this was an all black team and I probably, you know, thinking about black audiences and this isn't necessarily like creative for us. So like, um, you know, we probably didn't even pick up on all the references no. or all the yeah. nuance to it, but um, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah. And I loved, I loved having the intergenerational aspect and having like the elders there and talking about like their involvement in the civil rights movement about like, some gay group sex in bushes like during right. protests. <laughs> um, that was all really fascinating. Um, yeah. And I think I wonder, I wondered if this production was like talking or thinking about how like older generations of, uh, I don't know if, yeah, queer community, how they accept, you know, trans folks or gender nonconforming or non-binary folks and how, um, you know, maybe some like older generations of civil rights activists or activists in general aren't um, as accepting or like um, open to different gender presentations or identities as, you know, younger folks today are, um, which I think is maybe like what the ending might have been about. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not completely sure. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see whatever else this team brings to mm-hmm. the world. Um, and getting to see this in person one day would also be amazing. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. I'm excited to see like what else, what happens next with this production, with this show. And shout out to the tank. Tank is yeah. always out there hustling and just uh, getting stuff done and <laughs> offers free space. So much free space to artists. Like if you don't know about yeah. them and if you have a project, definitely hit them up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So we're super excited to jump into this interview. But before we do, we just wanted to ask uh, who you wanted us to talk to in the rest of the season. You know, we plan on going through the rest of the year. So we have lots of uh, interview slots. Please let us know who are some of your favorite queer artists or administrators or stage managers or designers, uh, anyone in the theater community we're excited to talk to. And we are thrilled that our first guest of the season is the incredible L. Morgan Lee. So let me tell you a little bit more about her before we get into the interview. L. Morgan Lee is an award-winning actress and seeker of light. Her performance in the Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, A Strange Loop, garnered her an Obie Award as well as a Lucille Lortel nomination. That production gave Elle Morgan the distinction of being the first openly trans actress to originate a role in a Pulitzer Prize-winning piece of theater. Other credits include national and international tours and projects with Long Wharf Theater, Musical Theater Factory, Ars Nova, Fifth Avenue Theater, and more. She is dedicated to being a part of work centering underrepresented voices on both stage and screen. She needed a hero, so that's what she became. Welcome to the podcast, Elle Morgan. Hi, Elle Morgan. It's so nice to have you on Thesis on Joan. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking me to be here. Yeah. Uh, so we usually start with uh, our guests introducing themselves with their name, their pronouns, and whatever you want to share about how you identify. Sure. I am L. Morgan Lee. I use she and her pronouns, and I identify as a Black woman who is trans and queer. And we're going to take it back a little bit. Um, on your website, you said that you took a step back from the business, and when you returned, your career in life, in a sense, started all over. So could you tell us a little bit more about your decision to return to the theater industry? Sure. And so on the website, I, I'm still fiddling with like how exactly to word that because I do want, I do want to put out sort of a bit of the story. Um, I didn't take a like an official step away. It was more of a like I laid low for a moment. Um, so I wasn't like actively pounding the pavement and putting myself in front of all these people. Um, instead, I was doing a lot more soul searching and taking time to really figure out myself and the things that were sort of starting to um, starting to come together in my head. Um, there had been a lot of, there had been many years of just question marks and not necessarily having the right kind of language to piece together, like why I am or was who I am or was. Um, so I, I took a moment to kind of lay back and like the things that I was even being called into audition for, um, just weren't things that I felt particularly connected to. And I really wanted to do a little bit of soul searching to understand like, why is this? Because at this point, things have not, you've been in the city long enough that you should have started to get into more of a groove, but things really just are not sinking together. And you know what's going on really, but you're, you don't want to really step into it because you're terrified. So like, let's take a moment to see like what that's about. Um, and so I did that. And so when I came back into the business, um, I mean, mind you, through all that, I had been working on a strange loop and doing random like workshops and readings and things. Um, so around the strange loop, uh, like a, a year or so before a strange loop is when I, I was more public. And once I became public, it's almost like things just went and, like took off all of a sudden. It's like the universe saying, you need to tell the truth so that I can actually put you in the driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that makes so so much sense. Uh, something else on your website about one of your favorite quotes, um, she needed a hero, so mm-hmm. that's what she became. Can you tell us more about what that means to you and how it informs the art you make? Of course. Um, she needed a hero, so that's what she became is I didn't have anyone to look to. I didn't, I didn't have, I'd met people who, I had met trans people, sure, certainly, but no one was doing what I wanted to do. And no one was sort of that person for me to look to as a child and growing up. So I I know I didn't have that. So I want to do my part as much as I can to like be that for someone else. Have you had folks reach out to you and like kind of tell you about their their own story and their own journey? Little bits here and there. Um, it always makes me so awkward because I'm like, Oh God, I'm still going through this too. I need, to. I'm like, I'm like, you're struggling through this and you're saying how much I've helped you. And I'm like, it's so crazy because I think that we never, like, we never stop going through. We never stop growing. We never stop evolving to where we need to go. Um, so it's, it's interesting when people mention that you've somehow touched them or somehow moved them because I'm like, it's crazy. I feel like I'm always the student. I can never really be the teacher. Um, but I guess even in that is, is teaching to some extent. It's like we never, we never get there. And anyone who thinks that they are there, I'm kind of nervous to talk to. That's really great to keep in mind. And I'm going <laughs> to store that away right now. The people, yeah, like the people who feel like who, who just know everything and are already arrived and already there. It's like, I really have no interest in what you have to say. Like you're, you're not, you're not, we are always learning. If you can't learn, then I'm not interested in you. Yeah, no, that's, that's completely true. Um, so let's take it over to Strange Loop and talk about Strange Loop a little bit. Um, so it received so many well-deserved accolades last year. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about being a part of the show and what it was like when it was announced that they won the Pulitzer Prize? <laughs> um, it was, it was a gift to be a part of the show, um, on so many levels. Um, I mean, we, have become a family over the years. And I think that Michael's voice is voice as a writer, voice as a person. Michael's voice is so necessary right now. Um, and it's, I think the Pulitzer situation was a, the Pulitzer situation. <laughs> the, the, the Pulitzer. Hearing about the Pulitzer, it's not something that you ever imagine. Um, and, and I think more than anything, it's like, yes, we were super excited. We were, I mean, knocked over that, that the show um, received that honor, but we also were in a space of this award belonged to Michael. Um, and this award was for Michael's piece. It wasn't necessarily even our performances that got the Pulitzer. It's Michael's piece. They got the Pulitzer. So it's, it's, it's more of a celebration of Michael's voice getting that much more visibility um, and sort of the pride in being a part of that happening. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. But a strange loop was just, I mean, it was a wonderful process. I mean, I, I I came out, I guess you could say, I hate that term, but I, I, I became, I used to say I became vocal about gender. Um, I became more vocal about my gender during the workshopping process of the show. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of moments where um, I could have not, there were a, a couple moments when I was not going to be a part of playwrights um, because I had pulled my, I had, you know, asked to be pulled out. Basically I had said to them, I think that this is someone else's story to tell. Um, and I don't, I don't want to stand in the way of that story being as authentic and as beautiful as it, as it can be. Um, so 
I can pull out, pull myself out and I will be in the front row cheering you all on. Um, and then there were conversations that were apparently happening <laughs> behind my back up to that point. <laughs> Um, where they were like, well, no, 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 Let, we need to chat with you. We want to take you to dinner really quick and like have a chit chat. Um, and they were like, we were talking about you behind your back. And <laughs> just so you know, we've already been discussing this and we've already been talking about the fact that um, your presence in the show uh, expands the reach of the show. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not that we want someone else to even come into this because we want you, like you're the person that this has been built around. You're the person that's been here with the family this long. And we really want to um, continue to foster that and letting people see that. And like, we will work with you to figure out the things that made you feel like this was not a space for you to be in. It's like, and, and when those moments come up in the rehearsal process, let us know. And like, and it was really lovely. I think that that work will always continue to be done sort of in, in the flows of shows and that kind of a thing. But um, there was, for instance, one song in the show that I've always felt very uncomfortable about being in. Um, the song is memory song, which is like, it's like one of the, one of the trademark songs of the show that everyone knows and sings. Um, and I always felt very awkward about being in the space during that song. Um, and so I brought it up during the rehearsal process and, you know, I, it was sort of, I still was there when we were on stage blogging and I was like, y'all like this is, can we please find something? Cause I feel so uncomfortable <laughs> in this moment. Um, and like they did, they did a really good job of listening and like we figured out a way for me not to be on stage during that. And like it, the moment got to be exactly what I feel like it should be. Um, and I would say, I think that there was also at that point in my own journey, some sort of insecurities about how I would be received in the show and how, how the audience would see me in the show. So I was just very, um, persistent on wanting to make it very clear who I am and, and, and make sure that the waters were not muddied mm-hmm. at all. Um, cause I had a feeling that the show would probably get attention. And I was like, the last thing I want, and the, the last thing any trans person wants is to be in a show and then have like reviews come out or something happen. And then you are misgendered somewhere. Um, and so I think for me, that was like a, it was a major concern because I had never been in a space, um, since I had been vocal, I had never been in a space where I was getting that much exposure mm-hmm. by this many strangers. So, so it was very like, I have no idea what they're going to think or what they're going to say, but. I would say by the end of the, by like the middle of the run, I could have very well been in that number that I felt uncomfortable with mm-hmm. and I would have been fine. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it was more about just wanting to be very clear. Um, it was more about clarity and more about my feeling like I was sort of invading on the space of these black gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like if, if for some reason there were another, you know, if something were to happen in the future with the show, if that discussion came back up again, I think that there's a little bit more flexibility now that I do know how I'm received and how I'm seen. And now that I feel more comfortable in my own transition and such. Um, but I think that's, it was really beautiful that they took the time to see me and to have those conversations. That's amazing that that sounds yeah. so um, collaborative and respectful of, of working mm-hmm. with you. That's awesome. And Michael Jackson, yeah. Michael Jackson, Stephen, it's Michael, Stephen, Raja, Rona. That team was just also, they are all artists who in so many ways are a bit underrepresented themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, people who are not seen see everything. Mm-hmm. I think that they have, they have a chance to, to do the work and create the kind of environments that they want it to be in or that they want to be in. So 
That's so, it's so powerful to hear that. Like, and, and to hear that your pro- thought process going into it was what probably so many people experience is like, well, I know that this, this something I'm going through personally is going to make mm-hmm. me not right for this role. So in your mind, already taking yourself out of the equation and mm-hmm. to hear that that is that now space is made so like now also like now there that where there was not where there was not a woman in the show before now there is a spot for women in the show um and i think like that's another conversation in itself about about i think it's kind of cool that there's a trans woman that has made that space because now it, it, the track is just a woman. She does, she's not specifically trans. There's just, she's a woman. So there could very well be at some point in the run of the show one day, a cis woman in that space. And knowing that like a trans woman created that space, see where we are giving to the room as well. We're not, we're not just <laughs> looking to be a part. Like we're actually wanting to make that room larger for everyone. Oh, that's amazing. Speaking of making the room larger, uh, a strange loop calls for a big black and queer ass American Broadway hashtag, uh, strange loop on Broadway 2022 um, or 21. Um, <laughs> do you think after the demands on white American theater in the past year, do you think we're any closer to that reality or what changes have you seen or want to see? Yeah, I think it's interesting. The big black and queer, big black and queer ass American Broadway show. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny. It's one. Of, this is one of those things. So I think that like the conversation around what what queerness is is such a vast one, and like the number of things that are sort of included in that thing. So I, <laughs> I think like it's an example, for instance, where I think that this big black and queer American Broadway show is specifically the show that Usher wants to build. But I don't necessarily think it's always the show that like every single individual thought at every moment wants to build. Um, and so like the space I come from, I'm like here to cheer on that big black queer ass American Broadway show. But like, I'm not centered in that queer ass story necessarily, unless it's being built in a specific kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, cause for instance, I, I identify as queer, but the way I use it is very, um, from a space of, I don't believe that the words that were given to us are actually, were actually made with us in mind. Um, I don't believe a lot of the labels that have been handed out to us in terms of sexuality, um, were meant for trans people, to be honest with you. So I feel very kind of like uncomfortable taking on some of those other words because, I just don't feel attached to them the way I do feel that attached to queerness. And I think queerness then has this umbrella that is a little bit more accepting of sort of any any identities that may or may not fall within the normal sort of scope of things. Um, so where it's like, I'm not like a, a, a pink hearts and rain. Why well, am I pink hearts? But I'm not like, a, I'm not like a unicorn and rainbows kind of a person um, necessarily in that, like, I don't wear things on my forehead. Um, and I feel like, like that space is actually within queerness, but is so um, rarely seen or discussed. Um, so I think that the show, the big black and queer ass American Broadway show that Usher wants to create is probably a lot more bells and whistles than anything that I particularly need. Um, but, but, but I'm here to cheer his story on and help him, you know, get what he wants because he deserves that. Um, I do think that this white, CY, uh, this white American theater demand situation is so layered. And I'm not, I, I think that we, we are closer in that there are the beginnings of conversations happening. Um, and I say beginnings because I think one of the biggest things that I have been really personally frustrated with about the, like where we are today, as opposed to where we were a year ago, is that there are people listening and doing work to some extent, 
Um, but I think that it's turned into such a black and white issue that it starts to really diminish the conversations that could be ha- had right now. Um, it's not, it's, it's so much more expansive than just a black and white conversation because even within black and white, there are so many underrepresented groups of people that are not in the discussion at all. Not to mention that there are more races in, in our world than black and white. <laughs> so, so it's like, I feel like, imagine that. I think that, I think, it, it's it's I'm a little nervous, actually, that we will get to the other side of this and we'll see lots of 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 black faces in the mix and lots of black people in sort of positions. And like for black people, that's amazing. Great. But how many of those people will be cis? How many of those people will be sort of societally considered thin? How many of those people will be, um, you know, uh, completely like able-bodied folks. Like it's like one of those things where I just feel like I, there'll all be, how many of those people will be young? It's just, it's just, I think that there's so many other intersections that we have the opportunity to talk about right now that I'm nervous that people are not actually caring enough to hear from mm-hmm. because the reality is, is those intersections are the ones that have really rarely been seen period. Um, so it becomes, if you're truly in the space to listen to people right now, listen to the people who are actually not being heard the most first. Like, let's start really digging into the conversations and like having those chats and having, and people doing the work of seeing, you know, what does this person who meets a long list of intersections, let's listen to what that person thinks because they're going to be able to tell us so much more about what's lacking than anyone else who is sitting in a lot of uh, spots of privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I hope, I, I think, I think that we are, we are like, you know, there's been forward motion, but like, I think it, it could be a lot, it could be a lot further than it is. And that on top of us being in the middle of a pandemic, like I just, it's so many things piled on top of each other that people are putting out, you know, you know, new postings and new castings of things. And they're like, you know, look at this, look at this, you know, mixed cast of people. It's, it's so exciting. And I'm like, it doesn't feel exciting to me because like, it's just one step closer to the world that we live in. Like I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't throw bells and whistles because you added, you know, because there's like a black person playing a part that a black person wouldn't have played quote unquote. It's like, but that, I don't know that we learned the lesson by just making a substitution. Like, why are we not asking that, that black person, if they know any writers who might be able to write something new? Mm-hmm. Right. You're so right. Looking at it as a, as a binary problem is not yeah. going to solve anything for us. Um, and one more question about Strange Loop before we Go for it. jump yeah. forward. Um, so as the first openly trans actor to originate a role in a Pulitzer Prize winning show, what, what do you hope this means for trans actors in the past and in the future? Hmm, that we are... <laughs> that much i guess one one baby inkling of a step closer to 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 getting the kind of visibility that we want to get i don't it's it's such a like it's it's such a huge award and even saying like even having that like she's the first you know openly trans actress to be in a part it's like i can't even really feel the 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 excitement underneath that because there's so much work to do. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that I would feel that I would want to do cartwheels if the writer of the show was trans. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the actual person who received the grant and the emblem and all the like, all of the stuff around it was actually a trans person. I think then I would, I would want to do cartwheels, but, but being a part of the, of the, 
of the production of that thing is such an honor, but I think it's, it's, I don't know. I don't like, I don't even know how to feel about it in terms of um, like, where does that put us? I, I, I don't know. Cause people don't even really know it to be honest. Cause nobody knows who I am yet. Um, <laughs> um, and I think that's a, I think that's a part of it. I think when, when my platform grows, I think that then I can, I can be even more vocal about those, those smaller things that are happening. Um, because I feel like you need to actually, we live in that, we live in a, such a digital moment where you kind of have to have that, you know, blue check mark and hundreds of thousands of followers before some of the powers that be even want to actually listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, that's part of why I would really love to be in a position. Like I'd love, you know, hashtag book Al Morgan Lee in a series regular. So, so that, so that <laughs> I can have more space to, to like really have those conversations where more people are going to hear them in their cars and everywhere. Um, I just think it's so important because I, I, I don't, I feel like, an, I don't feel like enough people have truly gotten into the door and then left their foot in the door. And like, and I feel like that's what I would, I, that's what I want to do. I want to be one of those, one of those people that gets in the room, gets comfy, cozy, is having drinks, is having a great time. <laughs> and then just, there just happens to keeping more and more of us in the space. <laughs> no one knows how they're getting there. And they just continue to come in and like, just knowing that like, ha ha ha, I sent out invites and none of you had any ideas. <laughs> I want to be like that, that person. <laughs> oh, I love thinking of the industry as a party that you suddenly take over. <laughs> <laughs> She's like sitting quietly in the background, just to herself, and just gradually keeps moving up in table. Yeah. Just the table. <laughs> next thing you know, she's like standing at the podium speaking. There's a room full of people like her in the room. Oh, amazing. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And, you know, another evening that was like that, um, we had previously had Lady Dane on the podcast as a guest and, yeah. and she was telling us about, um, black trans women at the center that we did, you did with Long Wharf. Uh, can you share what it was like, um, to be part of that event? It was wonderful to have an event that was actually centered on black trans women specifically, um, was a gift. Um, Long Wharf, Long Wharf, uh, did, like, they really did what they needed to do, um, with the assistance of Dane and being led by Dane, um, and being led by, I think that there was a, there was a little team that, that built, that produced that event. And I think that they all did, um, what needed to be done in that moment. Um, and I think there was, you know, maybe there's always, there's always going to be people who feel different kinds of way about the, the material that's being heard or what's happening around that. Um, but it, it, the evening happened and, and the, the plays were presented. And I think that was what was important. That was the most important thing about the night is that you got a group of plays that were centered around black trans, black and trans people. Um, I was in a piece by Desi Bing, um, that was called Things Unknown. Um, and it was, yeah, that piece was, that piece was great. Like it just, it was, it was whenever I get to do material that's written by or or specifically for trans people, um, it's just special. And when, especially when it's written by when it's when the piece is written by the demographic of people who it's talking about, it's there's just so much nuance present that like cis people um, just would never figure out because there's things that I think that cis people ultimately just don't get. Even when you try to understand, it's just they're not going to they're not going to fully get it. Um and I think that that's, that's, we need to have more of those kinds of moments so that 
cis writers who are excited about trans stories and trans people will even know like where to start. Because mm. um, I think everyone's in a space where they really want to plow forward right now with trans stories. And I think there are a lot of people who do want to hear from trans people, um, but these people are already in the room and they're like, we want to expand our portfolio. And it's like, well, I mean, that's great. And like, yes, but like, bring us in the space with you to help you do that before you sort of take the reins and basically tell us who we, who you think we are. That's, that's like, it's a very weird uh, dynamic in a room. Wow. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm so, it's so amazing that event happened though. Hearing from Lady Dane about mm. how it all came together. It's just she's so like, wonderful. Yeah. She's a powerhouse for sure. <laughs> um, this is a little bit of a long question, so stick with me Over. here. Um, <laughs> but we're very excited about it. So last fall, you started a music video of the song Strange Power from the musical <laughs> Maxa, which was set to debut last year. When talking about the project, you said, this is the mindset that theater is dead and that our business is over, but I have never felt like there was more of a pulse under the city and under the business than during this time. How are we in innovating theater in the time of COVID-19? Carefully, with respect, and with all our hearts. And almost a year into theaters being shut down, do you still feel this is the case? Sometimes I say things that sound so nice together. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, wow, that this sounds so really great. lovely. That sounds really lovely. Um, I do think that we, I think that we are a little less careful now than we were. Um, and I do think that there are things happening. I, I think that we've gotten to the point where we're almost at the year mark. So there's, there's an anxiety under everything. We're all ready to get out of this. Uh, I mean, I'm personally climbing the walls. So I feel like it's like we're all ready for this to be done. And I think that that's starting to creep into the ways that things are being made. Um, so I think we have to, we're going to have to hold on a little bit to the sort of careful one step at a time process that we were doing before. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that we are still there. That pulse is definitely still there. I think that it has calmed a little bit on the theater side of things, but that's because the TV film side of things has really picked up. Um, and I mean, I think we're going to have to figure out what that means right now. Cause I think there are a lot of theater actors who are not getting appointments for TV film things. Um, and as a result are still sort of sitting twiddling thumbs. So I don't know. We have to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the push to, uh, just the lack of work for actors is going to be hardest hit for those who are least represented, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, that, and that's a, yeah, that's a main, that's a big factor. Mm -hmm. It's that the people who do not have representation, how do you work at all? Like, um, it's, I mean, I got, God forbid you're someone who doesn't have representation and who is like just out of school and new to the business mm -hmm. because you're, you're starting with like no pieces together. And if you didn't go to one of the big schools, then it's going to be even more challenging. But like, I feel like if you can make it through this, it's going to be smooth sailing after it for you. It's just, it's like, you have to stick it out though. And I do think that there's a lesson in sticking it out. There's this idea. There are a lot of people in this, I speak as if I'm so old. There are a lot of people that is that's in this that are in this generation um, who I do think have this. There's a hint of entitlement that creeps into how they're handling things, um, and I think it's just, it's a little. It just feels a little like it needs to be. People need to be uh, reminded of perspective. There are pe there are people that have been here fighting 
for the same things that you're fighting for for so many years before you mm-hmm. and to completely ignore their fight, ignore those people to act as if you deserve this, you deserve this. It's like, well, like you might have to sit and wait for a moment. Like that's also part of the business. You, you get, you get to the city and you start auditioning and maybe you don't get Broadway on the first time you're here. Maybe that doesn't work out and you keep fighting. You keep pushing until you can be seen. People will not see you right away. You just got here. People might not actually pay attention to you because you just got here. Um, and I think that there's a, there is an element of that that I don't think people see when they're actively pushing for it. When I first got to the city, I was like, Oh, I'm here. I'm only doing Broadway. That's the only thing I'm interested in, period. Like, and it was, it was a thing of like, I look back at that now and like, bless your heart. Like <laughs> you were, you were, you were talented. You were, you were talented. You could easily have been on Broadway, but like, no, that it wasn't, it was not your time for that. And I'm very grateful for those things not working out because those things are what got me to today. And I mean, it's been a little more time than I typically talk about, but like, <laughs> but, but like, I'm really happy because I think that, um, the foundation was really solidly built and I didn't come in expecting to be, you know, I, I, or no, I did come in expecting something, but I was beat up enough that I understood that like, sometimes you have to like work and sometimes you have to actually wait mm-hmm. and like life is going to do what it's going to do for you. You have to trust, trust in the universe that what is meant to be will be. And what's yours is always going to be yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little loopy doopy, but I'm a little heady, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> and like hearing that, I hope that a lot of people who have that mentality right now and are using COVID as like the excuse that they should do something else. Like, I'm just worried that we're going to lose some great talents because people see COVID as an obstacle that they can't overcome. When, as you're saying, so many people have been struggling to fit into this industry in some way for years and years and years. This is just one of the many things that's a problem. We will not lose the people that we're meant to hear mm. and the people that we, that we do lose, we're meant to do something else. And it's, it's like, it's that, that story, their story was not one that was supposed to be seen by us. They'll be used some other kind of way. I'm, that's what I mean by I'm loopy. Like there is, I feel like there's no <laughs> such thing as like, there's no such thing as falling backwards because you're always moving forward. Like, so it's like you, you didn't, you, we don't lose those things. It's like, it, we, we were just not meant to hear that. We just weren't meant to hear that person. And like, it sucks to us. I have people in my life that I'm like, you're not in the, like you dropped out. What's wrong with you? You're so talented. <laughs> but like, but I know that like they're, what makes them talented is also being used in other ways that is fostering so many more talented people coming up mm-hmm. too. One of those people I know is a teacher in New Jersey. She's like one of the best voices I've ever heard in my life. And I, I, it, I, it pains me that she is not on stage or not being heard. And like, but I know that she's teaching kids and she's like putting what she does into all those kids. And I'm like, you know what? I see you. I see you. I'm still upset, but I see you. <laughs> oh, that's such a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, I'm going to be able to sleep better tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, finding ways to, like, to keep your sanity. Yeah. Um, and going back to Maxo, where this question originated, are we going to be able to see that anytime soon? <laughs> I I hope so. Um, I know that uh, Mika and Thomas, Mika Kaufman and Thomas Jacobson, um, are they just did a workshop of the show or I guess of sections of the show at University of Minnesota in Duluth where Thomas teaches. Um, and I think in the fall, they're going to be doing a production of the show. So like 
what a snazzy way to like, you know, try your show out and see how things work <laughs> when you're a teacher in a university and you could just use your students to try it out. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm very curious about sort of what they want to do. I personally would love for them, there to be backing for the show to do it on film. Um, because I think that that story is so dark and so delicious and on film would really give them like the chance to show everything they'd like to show. And we could really get into the gore and really get into how dark and dangerous the show is. It's a lot. The piece is like, it's, 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 it's an example of when you have a, a non-binary book writer discussing trauma um, that like, like it's, I, I was like literally sobbing, just reading like updates in the, like the rewrites. Wow. And I'm like, these are these pieces that like people have no clue. Like, and not that sobbing about a piece is like always a great thing, but like, it's just some people really get it. Mm-hmm. Some people just, just get it that it's, yeah, I'm going to, I won't spiral into another conversation. I will <laughs> let you continue. Cause there's a, there's a show everyone needs to see called La Veneno that, <laughs> that is really wonderful in HBO Max. Speaking of people who get it. Ooh. Wait, what's it called? It's called Veneno. V e n v e n e n o. Sweet. Oh my god! Can't wait. Yeah, adding it to the list. <laughs> binge, binge, binge. Yeah. Well, I hope we get to see it. And I just from that clip of the song, like you're. Oh my god, the movie version of it would be insane. <laughs> and that and that's why I was thinking. I was like, oh my god, this music video is like this is kind of what it could look like on on screen. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> sexy and terrifying and and, all the good things yes exactly um so speaking of another project that is also in development um we saw the video of you singing silk from the upcoming Mm. danish girl with the trans voice company so beautiful um and we wanted to go to a statement that the producers released about the show and they said that the performers whose roles will be set only on vocal range and not by gender age or any other demographic markers can you tell us a little bit about how it's different to be involved in a show that is cast this way as sure. opposed to other shows you've been in in the past? Sure. So first thing, the the video that came out with that choir, there were like eight or nine people who were trans in the choir, but everyone else was cis. Okay. Um, so so it was definitely a mix of people in that video. Um, the the genders or the the conversation about types around the way the show is built. So Lily and Gerda are specific and then the characters that are built around them are open um and i do think that from what we've seen so far because we've been kind of zooming a bit on things and like um i was supposed to be there in january but things happened oh. the way it did um so now there's like potentially i'll be there in march um over in, in london um Sweet. and so we'll see we'll see kind of what we're doing in, the, in a workshop over there um the the parts have the parts the players have been sort of it's interesting because they're playing they're all playing things that do kind of align a bit with the genders that they are um closest to there are cis people in the mix as well um uh and it's 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 interesting because i feel like because it's a brand new project it's inward in the development process it doesn't feel strangely different than any other developmental process um which maybe is the whole point altogether that it's like if you just pick the people who are right for the track <laughs> then we can go forward um and so i think that's kind of what's happened it's that they're building these tracks and 
the people who are playing, because they're playing lots of other things kind of throughout. They're playing lots of different people within their lives. Um, so those, those people are, I think there's, there's been some, I'm trying to think of the people that are like main featured so far in the show. And like, they're all playing things that sort of align with their gender. It's just, there might be a trans person in that spot um, where in America, there hasn't been, like, there has not been a trans person able to play this particular kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that team in particular is just really fantastic because they are really committing themselves to doing the work of getting it right. Um, and I'm still a little like blown over by the fact that I'm getting to do Lily mm-hmm. in this story because um, I, I, I remember seeing the film and I am one of those people that was like, well, this is not really cast appropriately, but the work was really beautiful. And like, so I felt um, like it was never something that I would have imagined being asked to do. Um, so getting that chance to work on this, I'm like, I'm a black trans woman. Like that's could not be as far away from, from Lily Alba as, as, as it couldn't be possibly as far. Well, actually they've already cast someone who's a man. So that's quite far away. Um, but, but, but being a black woman in that space does make me feel sort of a different way. Um, and I think it's kind of, that is what I would like to see more of kind of tracing back to your earlier question. It's like, I'd like to see more of we expect something, but we get something different. And what we get, you're like, oh, that's why she's there. That makes sense. That's, that's, it's also just giving someone else an opportunity to tell the story um, whose intersections and things are going to bring nuance that you wouldn't have seen if you'd sort of, if they'd seeked out this, you know, very, very, very thin, white, um, androgynous person who's who usually gets these kinds of tracks um if they'd seek that out they probably wouldn't get the same things that they're going to get from that they're getting so far from me um so i'm just really like excited about getting to even do it fingers crossed that somebody sees it and picks it up and then we're on the west end that'd be amazing that would be awesome yeah i hope you get to go there in march that'd be so much fun yes fingers crossed (laughs) it's just to get out of the city yeah I, got, I was like, I've got to leave. I've been in this apartment for, for a year now. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It has been almost a year. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, we've talked about your film stuff and theater. And so you've performed in this diverse array of uh, theatrical productions as well as film and TV. Is there a form that you're most passionate about and how or not, how has that changed or not throughout your career? I'm actually sort of going back to what my, initial thing was so when I was a little kid I wanted to be on TV I wanted to be on some I wanted to be on some like prime time drama show I was an intense child um I wanted to be like on a prime time drama um or like a soap and like a nighttime soap moment um <laughs> and I feel like like that's that's actually what I would really love to be doing right now um I think that's that's the area that I'm the most um, excited by is definitely on camera and that includes musicals. So like, it's like, I, I still want to always do musicals, but I think just the demand of an eight show week is it gets really, um, strenuous on you and I'm not 21. So I think that like there starts to be a little bit of a, okay, I want to be able to really write this out as long as I can write this out because what I'm usually asked to do <laughs> is a lot. So, so, so I'm like eight shows a week of, I mean, I'm even thinking of like, even thinking of the Danish girl, like, my God, like the journey is, is really a lot. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a tall ask. So like eight shows a week of that, 
think of you're doing it for like a year or two, like you're really like putting years on your body and on your emotions and on your spirit. So I think I'd like to be able to very carefully select like the projects that I want to be able to expend that much of myself into that way. And then go back to my like job that changes every week. <laughs> my job that's just something new and it's done, something new and it's done. And I'm, and I'm compensated very, like very well for doing those things on TV. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I love the, and, and the reach of television is just so much farther. We talked about that. Um, that platform is, the platform is very important to me. So I think, um, I'd love to be doing stage, um, but I'd, I'd almost like to do plays on stage more mm. than musicals, to be honest with you. Oh, amazing. Um, I, it doesn't mean I want to stop doing any of these things. I'm not saying I want to stop. Please do have <laughs> El Morgan Lee. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I really am interested in, in more TV and including musicals on film. Um, and then plays on Broadway. Yeah. And then like thinking about a more inclusive Broadway or theater, like the mm-hmm. only people who can do eight shows a week are those who are, you know, physically and mentally able to keep up that stamina. It's, it's a brutal schedule. It's intense. Yeah. Like it's, it's really, and it, I've seen, I've just seen so many people go in and like get their big moments and they're like the center of the show. And then a year later, they look like 10 years older. Mm-hmm. And they, and they've, 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 their bodies have wafted away and they're, they're really skinny. And they're like, and I'm just like, I, I don't know if I like, <laughs> like, I get it. And like, I mean, I'll, I'll come back to you all, at, you know, as, you know, in the event that the Danish girl happens and we end up in New York again, I'll come back to you then wafted away looking 10 years older and going, remember when I said, <laughs> I'm still trying to get to that place and I'm still not there yet. Now I can't, I can't eat anything and I'm really hungry and angry. And it's like, it's just not a place that I really would like to be. <laughs> I enjoy having a dessert. <laughs> I enjoy having a peaceful life. Yeah. I feel like we need to get rid of the stigma of like seeming like you if you need someone to do two shows a week for you or three shows a week for you like normalize that I'm always shocked that it's not more common and then when it is I feel like it's always surrounded by such negativity and it's like this actor was suddenly incapable of holding up the weekend it's like well operas do that like any of the other art forms that are that are extreme demands they 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 need they need that if you're doing Mama Rose and Gypsy, I want you to have a, a matinee rose. Like I want you to have someone there right. to actually take that on because it's a lot on you. Yeah. And it's better for the audience member when they do get to see someone who is mentally and physically able to do the role. <laughs> That's true. I know. It's like, yeah, we need to add it to the list of things to fix. There's so many. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you have so many talents. You are also a photographer. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit as well. Um, how did you become interested in that kind of work? And how do you think being an actor informs how you get the best out of your clients for headshots? I started doing photography. I was, I was doing, I was temping. And the company that I was temping with had a retreat that I got to organize for my department. Um, and it was like this place upstate that we all went to on this retreat. Um, and I kept taking pictures with pictures with my phone the whole time. Um, and as I was doing it, I was like, you know what? This is interesting. I have, I definitely always have an opinion. I always have something to say about things. Um, I wonder if I bought a camera, what I could like do with this. Um, and it was also a moment where I was like, I'm, I'd been doing some auditioning here and there for things, but I was developing a project, a musical. Um, 
and people had seen like a reading of it and I was having to hear people's opinions of what they thought that characters were supposed to do. And I'm like, well, but I've been living with this material for like years now. So like telling me what you think that person should be doing or, or you telling me who you think that person is, is kind of a problem with me because I've been living with her in my head for three or four years now. And like, I think I know who she is a little better than you do, but I'm like happy to accept the note and I, but I, but I will move forward. And I was just at a place where I was like, I'm kind of tired of hearing everybody else's opinions on top of me. Um, I would love to find something that I could do to fill time for myself that I could just put things out into the universe and not have to explain why they are there. Um, and photography is that photography is something that you put that piece out, whatever it is, and anything anybody else puts on it is about them. It's not about you. Um, and I was like, you know, I really like that, that freedom. Um, and it took me a while to start, um, taking headshots. Um, once I finally started taking headshots, I, I was like, I need to figure out what makes me a little different than all of the other, you know, 50,000 headshot people in New York city. I was like, I need there to be some like actual voice behind what I'm looking for. Um, and once I figured that out, I think I started taking headshots and it, it does help that it does help to be in the business because you know, what you need. Like, you know what the headshot is supposed to be. Um, I like to say that whenever people are shopping for headshot photographers, you're, you would do yourself a better service to shop with a person that's shooting you and not necessarily just um, the referral that somebody made. Um, because it's one of those things where any pictures that I, um, any pictures that I see of other people, if I know the photographer and I see their shots, what we're seeing is, we're seeing a like snapshot from that person's brain. It's how that person views the world. So in a sense, you're getting to know when you're looking at a headshot, you're actually getting to know something about the photographer. Um, so it's like, if I see a headshot photographer that I think is interesting, it's like that you're, you're hiring that person. You're, if someone comes to me, they're trusting how I see people. They're trusting mm -hmm. how I like the world that I put you in, in my head. So it's like, so I would want to be taking pictures with photographers who are more vibrant and who have, um, who connect to you is what you're looking for. Um, yeah. So I think it does help to be an actor just because you, you understand. Yeah. And, and they're beautiful shots too. I love looking through them. Thank you. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to think that they're alive. That's mm -hmm. kind of my, I, I want you to like, I want you to feel something from the person on the shot. Like I, I would love if my brand quote unquote as a photographer for headshots um, was that if someone passes through, they go, Oh, El Morgan took the shot. And they, the reason they know that is because the pit, the person in the shot is like somehow speaking to them. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I, that's what I would like for it to be. Oh, and I don't know that that will probably be fading out slowly but surely though. Yeah, she's 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 going to be wrapping up the headshot world in a bit. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. oh I need to get mine in soon. Then okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already met you now, so it's different. Yeah. It's like if I've met if I've met you, then it makes. But like I'm trying to be. I'm. I know that. Thank God, I think acting is starting to pick up in some ways, and I'm I'm going to need to filter that out soon. It's great. I'll still be shooting. It'll just be like fun shoots. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you've had the opportunity to collaborate with a lot of different writers and directors over your career. Um, is there an artist that you still want to collaborate with, but haven't, um, or that you love collaborating with uh, and want to work with again? Ooh. Um, well, I have never worked with Michael John Lacusa. Um, and I would kill to work <laughs> with Michael John Lacusa, um, who you would know from wall party and hello again. And, um, I, I, yeah, I'm in love with his work and, 
I love it because I just had a conversation with you about how musicals are so strenuous and so demanding and so and Michael John writes worlds that are like extremely that <laughs> they are huge pieces that demand a whole lot but like for Michael John you do it like for it's like for music that is for music that touches you the way that that music does I think it's it's yeah you have to you ha- you have to do it So we originally had, for the Queering the Canon section, it was about Sondheim, because we saw your Sondheim cover online. It was so beautiful. But you could also talk about Michael John Lacusa if you'd like. Um, So we're wondering, is there a show that exists that you would like to queer or a particular role that you would like to take on personally? Hmm. Um, Well, (laughs) since you opened it up to that, that changes things. Um, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So my, so my stunt. So, so, well, firstly, I'll say, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that my presence in the show necessarily would queer it per se, just because of, because I'm a woman. So like this, and the tracks that I want to do are women. Mm. Um, Like, it's like, I'm not zany that way. So like, it's like, I'm pretty zany and quirky in my, quirky in my own way. But, but I, (laughs) But I feel like in terms of what I would think of as queering a show, um, I don't know that I would be the one to do that. Um, and in Sondheim, the dream is Dot in Sunday in the Park with George. Um, and just because I think that she's she, – I think that having me in that track would – certainly give reason for some of the response. And it's like one of those things where I don't necessarily want the director in either of these cases. I don't want the director to lean into the fact that I'm a trans actress. Um, I want to just do the show that the writer wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think that there is a layer of nuance to the fact that I am a trans woman and the fact that I'm a black woman in both of these instances. Um, well, not the, not the Michael John one, um, but there is, there's a, it's, it's a, like me as Dot would just bring some different colors to appear. Just A, because I'm black, that would make a difference to her being sort of whispered about and talked about and have all these things around her. I love the scene where she's sitting in front of the powder, in front of the mirror, sort of dabbling and and, and looking at herself and feeling things out. I think that there is like, there is nuance to, to knowing that the actress is trans who's doing these things. Um, however, she also gets pregnant in the show. So it's like, I'm not playing a trans woman. I'm clearly playing a woman who is cis. Um, but just knowing that the actress who is there, it's like, it's going to hit me in different ways than it would someone else. Um, the Michael John role, well, there's a couple of them with Michael John, but one of them is certainly Marie Christine, um, which is, this is, and this is my problem. Like, this is why I have to like talk about film and TV because the, the things that I'm drawn to tend to be the most stressful, <laughs> strenuous roles that kill you. It's right. like, I, it's like, this is why I'm like, Oh, Morgan, you, part, you actually have to get on television because otherwise you're going to kill yourself on stage. Like you're literally going to play roles who are sucking everything out of you dry. So, um, but Marie Christine, I mean, like it's, that would be a dream. I think that. That one is an example of, um, oh, it's just, it's just in my, like, that's just in my, in my thing. Um, I think that, uh, there are, there, for that one, uh, I hate to say it for my own purposes, but for that one, I would definitely probably request a key change or two. Um, so to me, in a sense, that would like, muddy some things up for me in the, in the why because generally the roles that I want to play are things that I can already do. They're already roles that I can sing. Um, if there's, if it's a musical. Um, but Marie Christine is one that I know there's like one or two songs in the show that get a little bit high for me. Um, and I could like get them out, but I would, it's like if it was a one night only moment 
we could really like rough it through. <laughs> um, but but if I was like, we're going to do like a six week run, then it's like, well, let's change that key because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sing that crazy thing like that eight shows yeah. in that high emotional world that it's in. So I would definitely want to like shift it down a teeny bit. Um, but still keep the quality of what the sound is that the composer intended. Because um, especially with someone like Michael John, I think that he's a genius. So the things that he writes, there is a sound, there's a particular timbre in his mind as he's writing. Um, and so I would want to be able to hold true to that. Mm-hmm. Do you have, I have to ask, do you have a, a dream George to play opposite you as Dot? I'm always searching for my George. Because <laughs> that to me, that's been a dream role for me for so many years. Um, I meet like literally, literally I meet men and I'm like, whenever they're actors, I'm always listening and I'll go, oh, interesting. Okay. What kind of actor is he? Let's see. <laughs> and it's like literally always, I'm always searching for a George. <laughs> oh, I want to see you in both those shows so bad. Someone mm. make it happen. I hope you find your George soon. <laughs> oh, in real life too. Let's get, let's get George in here. He's a little nicer than musical yeah. George. Oh, well, that, that's true. Don't ask for that. I just love emotionally distant people who are unavailable. He's very boring. Um, one of our last sections is a, a queer culture wreck. So outside of theater, what would be your queer culture indulgence? <sighs> um hard question for me i'm kind of a boring jane <laughs> let's see um i i do a lot of i mean well we can call that queer culture i guess um i mean i'm a real housewives <laughs> crazy woman um <laughs> i definitely watch many of the franchises um i do a lot of like especially during this quarantine this like pandemic period i've been doing a lot of tv showy things so like lots of binging um there's this series oh my god now i'm gonna forget it it's i think it's called like winks the saga um it's a show about fairies um it's it's a show that takes place in like a university kind of a setting where everyone is fairies mm-hmm. i'm all into magic and all that kind of stuff in that way i'm very like queer quote unquote because i feel like that is a queer sort of common thread that there's a that there is a lenience towards the magical of some yeah. way um so I do think uh, maybe it's called Winks the Saga or something, but it's it's about it's about fairies, and I mean it's it's awful. I mean I probably shouldn't say that. I probably, I probably should not say that on like a public space, but like it's one of those like it's like not great, but but it's but so great, and I binged the entire thing. Oh, I love it. Um, it's lots of like guilty pleasure watching. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. We're always looking for more like queer trash to watch. Like, and not even, and like the only thing, like, I think the only thing that remotely makes it quote unquote that I would put it under the queer category is just because it's about fairies. But like, like it's so like CW sort of cishet world where they're like all in this university. But I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, but, but the characters, but the actual like, like, it's one of those ones that I'd love to, like, recast some other kind of way with lots of... Like, that's an example of something that I would love to queer, for instance. Like, that world. The Vampire Diaries. Like, these projects that are very... um Already sort of otherworldly. So there's so many... There's so much more availability for, like, for um for more variants. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Without, without losing the color that the show has already. Cause I think for me, that's one of the things is I, I'm all about reimagining material and like sort of bringing a new idea to it, but I still want to always sort of preserve 
I want to preserve what the writer put on the page. Like I want to be able to reserve, preserve what that writer saw when they put it there. Otherwise, I'm more interested in new work where, where we are already included and we're already a part of the world that's there. Yeah. So we also wanted to um, check in with the organization that you uh, wanted to shout out for Queer Give. So you mentioned Legacy, a Black Queer Production Collective. Can you tell us a little bit more about them and how we can help out? Yes. So they are, I'm going to read a little bit from their like little blurb. They're a group of Black queer artists based in New York City. Um, and they're, they've come together as a response to deep-seated underappreciation, undervaluing, and underfunding of Black queer art. Um, they focus on uplifting Black queer voices and experiences by creating space for artistic endeavors, providing equitable compensation for time and work, and fostering fellowship and opportunity for our present and future community. They are a group of four beautiful Black queer people um, who are trying to start. This is this is they're they're in a space where they're trying to begin this company, um, and they've I believe they have like a season of projects that they want to work on, and so they're currently fundraising to try to get what they need to to uh, back these projects. Um, and there's like there's there's a lot of different angles. It's not just theater. There's like performance art and music videos and writing and poetry. And there's a lot of, um, they want to be really inclusive about what art looks like for queer people. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so standing behind them. They just, this, during this Black History Month, they're doing this little like spotlight feature situation where they've asked people to, um, do videos for them sort of spotlighting people that touch their lives within the black history spectrum. Um, so I did one of those recently for them and it was like a reminder, like, Oh my God, no, they're, they've started this up and they're really trying to push forward. Um, it's yeah, it's a great group of people. So definitely reach out to their website and such. If you get a moment, they're on Instagram as well. Awesome. Yeah, we'll share them in our uh, the notes and on our social media too. Thank awesome. you. Uh, and lastly, how can our, get our listeners find you online? I am on Instagram at uh, L Morgan Lee. I'm on Twitter at L Morgan underscore Lee. Um, and my website is just lmorganlee.com. All the letter L Morgan Lee. Amazing. Thank you so much, L Morgan, for being here. Of course. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us and share us with your friends. We'd love to hear from you if you have any queer culture recommendations or other ideas about how to queer the canon. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251 or email us at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. And you can follow us on social. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thesisonjoan. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. When he named, like, going to the boiler room, that, like, really took me back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've been to the boiler room, but I've definitely been to therapy, and he talks about that a lot. Yeah. Um, Would not recommend the boiler room. I don't know if the boiler room has survived (laughs) the past year. It probably will. Like, it's one of those places that I think is hard to kill. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.